It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to BGN Radio. Now, we had this guy on there today named Brandon Lee Gowton. Now, who the hell is he? He writes for Bleeding Green Nation. Now, is Bleeding Green Nation something that people read? Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best. Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly. So I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on bleedinggreennation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have made it to episode number 123, and uh, we are live again this week. I'd like to apologize to uh, all of my boys out there, Mr. Patrick Wall and Mr. Matt Daringer. We uh, we had some trouble trying to get it together last night, so Sean uh, Brace again coming in with the save, and he's co-hosting with me one more time from the hottest website on the internet, phillyinfluencer.com. What's happening, Sean? How are you, buddy? Good afternoon, John, and Bleeding Green Nation. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun one, and I, I, after the Temple game last night, uh, I can't wait for this Eagles game on Sunday versus the Panthers. Temple 7-0, and uh, Iowa 7-0, and and uh, Mr. Magoo at quarterback. And still yet, the Eagles <laughs> are leading uh, the NFC East with a 3-3 three and three record. Before we get into all that good stuff, we're going to obviously break down this game. There's a lot of important matchup things, some narratives that I'm not really digging so far this week, and we'll get into that, plus some of your phone calls uh, on the hotline as uh, we've got uh, some in the hopper. Obviously, we're not going to 
take them live yet again. But just a reminder, if you are out there right now on the replay and you are listening to us on SoundCloud or Stitcher, and especially iTunes, we would love if you can go rate, subscribe, and review and give us a ton of feedback because that's how we kind of grow this thing and uh, make it to, you know the best Eagles podcast out there. We want to know uh, what you guys are thinking, what you guys want and need, and everything else. Uh, also, this Sunday, it's going to be a little bit short because, again, there is some Sunday morning football. But regardless, myself and James Elter will be live on 97.5 The Fanatic from 8 a.m. until 9.30. We'll take you right up until kickoff. We'll get your fantasy lineup set and everything else. BLG will be with us. We'll be making NFL picks. And, uh, yeah, make sure to tune in for that one. So, Sean, uh, I mean, we, we definitely want to get into matchups. And we definitely want to do all this stuff. And I know that it... Every time that we talk about this guy, it just rubs people either three or four different ways. You don't want to talk about about him anymore. He's not on this team anymore. Why even bother? He hasn't played all year. He's played zero snaps due to injury. But depending on how much you believe in the source, and granted, TMZ just yesterday, a couple of days ago, got the Marshawn Lynch dragging race thing that ended up being just Fred Jackson alone incorrect, but still... Uh, Deshaun Jackson looking like he's having another incident in Southern California with a home invasion, uh, the gang relations, like whatever. I, I don't really care about that much, but just the fact that here's what I find peculiar. There's a, a report from uh, Washington coming out that he's probably going to be cut again uh, in the offseason, and then you have another home invasion story. What are your thoughts on this uh, overall, sir? Deja vu. Right? Oh. Weird. <laughs> Yeah, um, look, if he didn't clean up his act and, and you know, start um, separating himself from the people that maybe got him, uh, you know, it, it caught up in those articles that what, two years ago when the Eagles let him go, then, you know, uh, what else can you say? I, I mean, you, you eventually have to grow up. You eventually have to do start thinking big picture. And I know Deshaun Jackson, I'm trying to give him a little bit more credit than probably what I should, but... You know, he had the, the, the BET show, and it seemed like his mother, you know, was in his ear, and he wanted to do right. So, I don't know. Obviously, that's a reality show, so I'm not trying to buy into it, and I didn't really watch all that much. I just caught, you know, the highlights, I guess, the next day. But bottom line is it comes down to the, the, the people that you keep in your crew, and if he allows five or six guys to stay in his house, and that's what the report was, and it seems like it's real, John. It really does. This one seems like it's real with a police report, and uh, you know somebody had inside information. They knew there was video cameras, so more details will be coming up. But uh, you know what else can you say other than like, damn, Deshaun, when are you gonna learn? Yeah. You know, if you haven't learned yet, you're never gonna learn right now, I'd imagine. And I don't have a problem with the Washington Redskins cutting his ass at the end of this season after it's all said and done. No, and we'll we'll wrap it up just with that because we, it's just it just came out uh, as we're recording this, and we we figured we want to touch on it, but. Um, Either this is where I come through, and I tweeted this out already. This is either the reporting is inaccurate, or what the the story from the source to the police is inaccurate. Because I'm as, as I'm reading this, and somebody can correct me out there if I'm reading this incorrectly. There were five armed gunmen that came in. Uh, there were six people in the house. They knew exactly where the security cameras were, uh, and the only thing with five people storming a house is somebody getting pistol whipped and uh, to this point there's going to be have to be way more information on anything but it sounds very weird yeah (laughs) that sounds that sounds very 
because uh, nobody guns ablaze and coming in and then gets pit like that just that doesn't that doesn't sound right that doesn't sound do like there's have enough somebody in your crew that just has you walk in a straight line yeah. I, I mean hey it's it's his world i guess he can do whatever he wants at this point in time you know yeah it just to me the only reason why we bring it up again is because there's it, it doesn't matter how many times or how many how long you get away from it Somebody will always bring up the fact that Deshaun Jackson is not here to help this football team. I would much rather hear Jeremy Macklin arguments at this point as far as like, you should have just paid him the extra $2 because there's no go-to. And I would agree with you. At this point, I, I just feel, and this will this will take us right into the preview, something like Jeremy Macklin would definitely help this football team right now because oh, yeah. Nelson Aguilar is going to be out for this one. Uh, Riley Cooper who has been the most reliable wide receiver this offseason, which is say still that a, again. a weird thing to say. Absolutely, Sean. Uh, and then, you know, Josh Huff with the knee, he's probable. He looks like he's going to go. Also, Kendrick's uh, still questionable. There's a couple other uh, people that are still questionable here. But, I mean, with this secondary, and granted, Kirk, our old friend Kirk Coleman is still there with, uh, with Jazz Hens hanging out and playing safety for Carolina, it's still going to be – I think extremely tough to throw the football against the squad, and it's really going to come down to Darren Sproles, Zach Ertz, and everybody else that's going to be matched up with those linebackers. Is that how you're going to have to just be the dinkers and dunkers that everybody kind of hates in this town? But I, I, that's how I see it. Short passing game, getting the run game going. Is that how you attack the Carolina Panthers this week, Sean? Yeah, but look, I, I don't think I, – I'm obviously I think a lot of people are on the same page with this. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, both defenses are really good, uh, you, you know, just forcing turnovers, making plays, getting in the backfield, disrupting patterns early in the game, making the quarterback hang on to the football. So both defenses are really good. Luke Leakley just came back from a concussion. We all know about him. My man Thomas Davis, who was a phenomenal draft pick many, many years ago by the Panthers to play safety. All right, they drafted him to play safety. Yeah. Three ACLs later, he's one of the better linebackers. People were talking about this week that Cleekley uh, and uh, Thomas Davis are the best linebacker tandem in the league. Hard to which, argue. You, you know, you, you could make that argument. You could definitely make that argument. There's a couple that pop into my mind, but with Cleekley out there healthy, he is just an absolute monster. So yards are going to be tough to get, and we're talking about the Eagles offense here. So you know what they have to do, John? They have to correct their mistakes. They can't mess up on the small stuff like the catch catchable balls um like hitting the hole or the dumb penalties none of that and you could say that about every game but especially when you're on the road taking on an undefeated Carolina Panthers team that has been downright disrespected I felt like this a couple days ago I spoke to you on text messages we were going back and forth I still feel like this today you could look at the schedule of the Carolina Panthers this year they haven't really beat you know that much that many quality opponents except for Seattle this past week I get all that but still undefeated in the NFL when Cam Newton has nobody to throw the football to besides Greg Olson okay let's be realistic about it and still yeah. old man Jonathan Stewart in the backfield you know they're getting disrespected they're not getting any love and this is a huge huge spot for Carolina to show up 8:30 on Sunday night and prove to America that they are as good as advertised. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll jump right back into that Jonathan Stewart old man train because as much as you want to uh, you can champion that all you want. You know, Carolina, that's fine, but when Ryan Khalil and, you know, Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell get a fistful of Andrew Cox or listen to me, Fletcher Cox and uh, Benny Logan 
it, it, the run game's not going to look quite as well. Sorry, yeah. I, I just I, I know the offensive line has been better from last year. I'm not expecting any anything close to nine sacks or Connor Barwin sticking his face in there from four and a half or three and a half or whatever it was. You know, when uh, and and the defense just isn't the same. This isn't Mark Sanchez rolling in. This isn't a one six and one team. I know that it's five. It says five and zero, oh, and the teams. You know, the quality teams. I always I, I I hate that argument because as you have seen throughout. The, this whole thing, like the Eagles shouldn't have been been able to beat the Giants. They should have, uh, you know, beat Washington. Sure, it, sure. It's just hard to win. Things are crazy from week to week. You're five and zero. Oh, that's five and zero. Oh. That's a really good football team. Be, be, saying that, uh, I, it's slightly hypocritical. I'm not completely buying it 100 percent either. When you're 30th in passing and you're relying on on Cam Newton to make plays again with his his legs and and Jonathan Stewart. That's not that's not sustainable in my mind unless you get that passing game going. And in the fear in my mind, it's like okay now now that the Eagles defense have ha- has had like you know two or three four ga- great games in a row, this is where like the letdown happens and he starts throwing the football all over the place. But what makes me a little more comfortable in that is just the fact that what what Sean brought up, uh, Greg Olson's going to be that number one guy. He always is every week. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's Malcolm Jenkins, you know, uh, Malcolm Jenkins' job outright the entire uh, the entire game. But mm-hmm. you know, the corners and just uh, the wide receiving core is so awful. And uh, you know, Devin Funchness, who is who actually had some pre-draft interest, you know, from the Eagles here, is mm-hmm. is just not there yet. He's been improving from game to game. Sure, he had one good quarter against Seattle, uh, but. That's where I feel the the most confident is this Eagle secondary going up against that wide receiving court, really the whole defense in general. Uh, and I think that's, again, where you're going to have to win this football game. I think that there's going to be enough offensive output where they can they can they'll be able to move the ball in Carolina. But I, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of field goals. But, I, you know, as far as the, the turnovers and relying on all those, and we saw that against the Giants last week as they were just kind of marching down there on both drives and without a, a D'Amico Ryan's, you know, strip slash interception, I don't know how that game ends up turning out. Is that what they're going to need here, Sean? One of those big turnover plays that's going to change the momentum? Or do you think there's, there's enough there going on both sides of the ball where they can squeak this one out? Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. Obviously, we're going to talk about Sam Bradford, and that's where it goes to me. But I, I just feel like if this defense keeps the Eagles in, which am I allowed to say, uh, you know, that's expected? I, yeah. I, that's yeah. how I feel. That's how I feel going into week seven right now, that I expect this defense to step up and answer the bell. I, I've said it you know, last week that if this defense continues, now all of a sudden Chip Kelly's not going to be known as that offensive mind. He's going to be the defensive team, which is just hilarious, bizarro world. But that's where we're going. And I really do feel like exactly all the points that you pointed out, this wide receiver crew for the Carolina Panthers is not good. I mean, you, uh, you go walk down the streets of downtown Philly right now, and I'll guarantee you pull 10 people. They can't name two wide receivers on the squad, all right? And, you, and Greg Olson doesn't count because he's a tight end. So that, that, <laughs> let's just be honest about who they have catching the football for them. Um, and it, it comes down to this defense, the Eagles, keeping them in there, obviously making the small plays for me. Uh, the, the Carolina Panthers, they don't spread you out. They, you know what they want to do. They want to grind you down. They want Cam to make a play here and there in the fourth quarter. They, they're third in the league in rushing, like you already pointed out. Jonathan Stewart having a pretty good year this year. How about D'Angelo Williams, too? He was having a good season with the Steelers. That's and, right. You know, Obviously, he's gone now. But still, I, I, 
you know, that's the type of team that Carolina is. Ron Rivera, he wants you to grind it out. He wants it to be low scoring. And in the fourth quarter, they're going to come over the top and beat you when they surprise you. And that's what happened with the Seattle Seahawks game. You know, look at that game. They were nothing through three quarters, absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden, fourth quarter comes around, and Cam Newton was throwing bullets to the point mm -hmm. that the receivers had nothing, no, no other option but to catch the football. It was an amazing display of quarterback play by Cam Newton. And, you know, Fran Duffy from uh, from PhiladelphiaEagles.com, he does a great job with those vines, John. Yes. You know what I'm Love him. He put this one out there. And after this uh, after this podcast, I will, I'll put it out on my Twitter handle as well, at Sean underscore Brace, where Cam rolls out, play action, you know, a, a normal Carolina Panther play. And he throws the ball sidearm 15 yards in this square box, 12 by 12 inches, just incredible the display of just talent that Cam Newton provided us on that one play alone, let alone his career. He's really showed me a lot in the last two seasons. Um, but he's just putting the ball on the money when he needs his receivers to make plays. But Ron Rivera does not dial that up often because you know you can't go to that well too many times. You're not going to get water, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's the important part about this Panthers team is that defense just kept him in it that whole time. It kept him in there. Yeah. You know, allow, the, allow it to happen. And then finally that fourth quarter, all those plays started getting made. The, the, there was miscommunication with Seattle all over the place. They looked a little tired. So, I, you know, and, and again, just going back to the wide receivers, I know we always complain here in Philly of like, this wide receiving core is just not good enough. But I'll definitely take this wide receiving core over Ted Ginn Corey slash, you know, Philly Brown, as we know him here, who's, who's gone back and forth just like P. Diddy. Of a, no, I want to be Corey. No, I want to be Philly. Uh, Jericho yeah. Cotri, uh, Devin Funchess, we already mentioned. Kevin Norwood, you know, still hanging out. So it's just been it, – it's going to be – it should be a really easy day for the secondary. And even with Cam Newton, yeah, I, and with playing with the ankle injury and everything else, I still think that there is going to be – uh, a, a great scheme uh, once again this year to kind of contain him. Just like Colin Kaepernick, you want him throwing the ball. You want him throwing the ball. You want him inside the pocket and throwing the ball. As much praise as I will give Cam Newton, as much as I like him and would definitely take him here in a heartbeat over the court, current quarterback situation in Philadelphia to run this offense, he's still not the most accurate passer. Just like every quarterback, when he gets pressure, he's not the greatest under there. So this is where I expect either Jordan Hicks I, I, or, or something to be that spy. I know Kelly has, has mentioned in his press conference, like, we're not going to waste a player like that. But yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are this week, especially when those were the, those were the plays that kind of open up that fourth quarter. It's those, those power reads and everything else that Fran Duffy was showing you in those vines. That's how, they, how he gets loose. You have to con If you contain Cam Newton, the offense does not run. And uh, as long as... The defensive line still does their job. Uh, it's going to be a really hard time for them. And speaking of that, uh, we will definitely tweet it out once again, but probably the best article I've read all season came from Tim McManus today about uh, our boy Jerry Anzaro, who is sounds like one of the coolest guys that you could ever meet coaching a defensive line and just really great insight on exactly how much of the game planning goes in with everybody, not just with Billy Davis, but he's in there. He's involved. Uh, you know, it, 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 I think Billy Davis was even quoted in there saying, you know, hey, most defensive line guys just focus on their the, the defensive line and that's it. And Jerry's there breaking down tape, you know, 12 hours a day to look at the offensive line of is he is he leaning wrong? Is he twitching a certain way on certain plays? How can you? 
you know, break through on that and looking at coverages, looking at everything else that works and doesn't work. It is really a team focus, not only with the players, but it was just a big insight of how every coach is in their they game plan. They listen to one another. It's very cohesive. It's very a symbiotic. It's very everything else. It's, it's basically what Chip Kelly has been preaching all along. And that's, Sean, I, that's why I laugh every time that there is a report that comes out about about dealing with, like, losing the rock, locker room and everything else with, you know, this football team sometimes. Because you you just read one of those stories and you're like, man, I mean, if they're, they're quoting, like, philosophies back to one another. Like, Brandon Graham was quoting something about the, the, the lizard mind and not being able to, you know, I don't know. It was, it's a great article. We'll definitely link it out in this post and it is definitely a must read, but switching gears uh, before we get into Sam Bradford and everybody else, we want to take <laughs> and think what, uh, what everyone else has been thinking out there. So let's quickly go to the BGN anytime hot. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly anytime hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. Hello, BGN. This is Lawrence calling from San Francisco, California. And uh, I just wanted to comment on uh, our Eagles here. It's funny to me how uh, how about two years ago in 2013, it looked like we had the best offense in the NFL and one of the worst defenses. It was always just the defense lacks talent. They just need to build in. And then now it's like we have one of the best defenses, as it looks, and one of the worst offenses. The offense just, I don't know, it's not in sync. But you know what? On the other hand, when you think about it, it's kind of an interesting uh, switch because people always tend to say defense wins championships. You hear that a lot. And uh, and I think it's kind of a, a good problem in a way because, you know, as we say, if Chip knows anything, he knows his offense. Uh, the offense, I feel like it's fixable. The defense has been tremendous. Just wanted tremendous. to hear what you guys uh, thought about that. And as always, go Eagles. Yeah, uh, Lawrence, thanks for uh, chiming in there. Of course, thanks for keeping it under uh, a minute and a half, as I beg all of you to do, because I can't edit every phone call that comes in, but we listen to everything that comes in. Yeah, I, uh, well, the first part of that, with I, I don't know, the defense wins, wins championships things. Yes, everybody says that a lot. Uh, here's the other thing. It's total bullshit. It, it's, it gives you a chance to win, and that's what I think the Eagles have built here. Um, but you know, offensively, Sean and Lawrence brings this up is just, it's, it's been so out of sync. A lot of it has to do with Bradford, but a lot of it's everything else too. It's, you know, it's Kelsey not really being in sync. The offensive line wasn't in sync for a long time. I finally feel like it's, you know, maybe it's the easier opponents and maybe it's all going to be wiped away this week with the running game and everything else. But, um, I, I don't know. Offensively, do you think that it can finally start gelling here, especially with Sam Bradford this week? You know, you hope so. Look, I, I look at the Giants. That was a tough game, tough, tough opponent. Obviously, in NFC East, I don't want to down, don't play the Giants at all. They were a hot football team coming in here, and a Monday night game, they they knew what was at at stake. So, look, you know, the Saints game, both of them turned out to be blowouts. Both of them, obviously, the offense averaged 472 yards combined uh, in the last two games. You know, and that's after the first four where they were averaged 294 yards. So, obviously, things started clicking there, but. It still wasn't crisp enough for me. It still 
um, you know, wasn't mistake free. And, you know, you had the dumb snaps and it's just you're, you're like fumbling the handoffs. Like that stuff can't happen. That's what I'm talking about where, and like I said, you can say it's about every single game. Don't get me wrong. But right now the Eagles are not good enough to get away with stupid mistakes like that. Drop balls, a fumbling of the handoff, bad snaps. That stuff is unacceptable and can't happen. So whatever they got to do to clean that up, that needs to happen right now. As far as gelling as a whole for this squad, you know, John, it comes down to Sam Bradford. And his last five – or the five interceptions, what's he got, nine total this yep, year? Yep, nine and nine, yep. Five interceptions, the three against the Giants and the two against the Saints were just terrible, terrible interceptions. No interceptions ever good, don't get me wrong, but – you know, the, the offense was moving down the field, and all of a sudden you're throwing interceptions in the end zone, in the red zone. Like, what the hell is that? So if he gets – if he's not able – if he doesn't do that, I really do expect this team to put up some points, and obviously they'll be clicking. And then we could start talking about the word gelling. But as Sam Bradford continues to turn the football over, and this is game seven, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to go and say that this is who he is. This is who Sam Bradford is. And I know that there were some people floating out there that the idea that he's playing – for his job this week, I think Ray Didinger said that. The Hall of Famer wow. said that that uh, Sam Bradford is playing for his job this weekend. Again, I'm not inside Chip Kelly's mind, but, man, if Bradford comes away with two or three more interceptions, can Sanchez be that worse? No, that's what I mean. Like that That is, right now, Sam Bradford is playing at a, at a Mark Sanchez level, even yeah. for his career, you know, one and one. And this is where I'll disagree. Sam Bradford's never played like this. Never played like this as far as, as uh, turnover ratios go. Never, like, had such dumb thoughts. And that's why I called him Mr. Magoo at the beginning of the show because it, there was a couple of screenshots going around. It was on that overthrow to Ertz, that really dumb interception that we're all like, who the hell is he throwing to there? Sure. You know, and there was four wide receivers open. Like, you choose anyone, any one of them. Landon Collins getting beat, surprise, surprise, wide open. You know, uh, Josh Huff was open. Cooper was open. Anybody was oh, and he and he threw it to a place in the field, which there was the DB. Like it just, I, I, I was, I'm so confused by nothing has still matched up from all of the stuff from St. Louis to where it is now, no. uh, and I can't keep saying it's coming, it's going to come, it's going to come because whatever it is, they he shook, and that's the only thing, the real word I can come up with, even though I know that's not really true. I don't think it's a, a big psychological damage here. I, I, I honestly think he's he just hasn't played football in that long. He wasn't that great to begin with. So to even get back to an average level is still really tough, I think. And yeah. that's all this team needs, really. That's why I'm okay if he stinks it up for the third one in a row. You have the bye week. I'm okay with moving to Sanchez at that point because at least your defense will – you, and again, it, it's such a hard thing to say because it's not like it's going to get anything any better. Right. Those are one of the, those are one of those things where it really comes down to. And you, ha at that point, if you are sitting Sam Bradford and benching him, it's over. Like move on from that point because there's no way. As Sam Bradford is struggling right now, if you bench him and have any expectations of him coming back, and that'll put a fire under his ass, you're wrong. His career's yeah. over. He's done. They've wasted the second round pick. And you got to move on from there, but that also puts a sticky situation on 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 next year, Sean. And what do you do there? I mean, is it Sanchez, a rookie, another veteran backup, or you know, holding on to Thad Lewis and and rolling on there? I mean, what do you do at that point? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm frustrated right now. And I, I've been speaking about this past couple of weeks where I'm on board with Sam Bradford. I, I understand why you made the deal in the offseason. You didn't believe in Nick Foles. That's all you got to tell me. Second round pick. Maybe Sam Bradford was part of a deal going to Tennessee to get his boy Mariota. Whatever. I, I mean, that's fine. That's all in the past. But enough is enough. And I don't give a damn. I want a scrambling quarterback. I want a guy that can make plays with his feet. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, if we're going to get Chip Kelly, and, and, and Chip Kelly's proved this wrong, where he doesn't need a scrambling quarterback, so that's not what I'm saying. But I know that there's a chapter in this playbook that is not getting used, and it's obvious when you don't have a guy that could go out there and make plays with his feet. Um, so, you know, I'm not rewriting history here. I think we're on the same page with that. I want a guy that can go out there and make plays on third down, third and four, third and five, and if he gets out of the pocket, he can go and scramble. You know, I, I know it's not Aaron Rodgers doesn't grow on trees. I know Russell Wilson doesn't grow on trees, but there are quarterbacks out there that just come out of nowhere. All right. And you might have them on your draft board as a fourth round selection. Uh, maybe you got to take a chance and draft a guy in the third. Hell, Chip Kelly's done it with other position players. Why not do that with the most important position on the field, a quarterback? So at that point in time, that's all way, that's way down the line. So this is me speaking out of my ass here. <laughs> I have no problem with them going into next year's draft saying, all right, Sam Bradford out. Sanchez is obviously our starter. We're going to bring two, maybe three new quarterbacks in here, maybe two draft picks, maybe a free agent out there. Obviously, the, the list of uh, draft picks, uh, quarterbacks coming out in the draft is not all that good either. No. Uh, so this might be a year that you get lucky in the late rounds because the expectations are a little bit lower than years past. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, like I said, I'm going a little crazy talking about that, but – I want a guy that can make plays with his feet. That's where I'm at. I don't think it's that crazy, and a lot of people have already brought that up as far as, like, you know, if Kaepernick is available, you know, he can't throw either. You might as well have some mobility while you're at it. And I, and I, I just don't see San Francisco letting him go. I, no, neither do I. You know, and And I, I'm not about to have RG3 coming in here either. Like, no. that just doesn't make sense to me either. The only I, guy that I could see, and I, even though that he's been playing well and I'm sure the Bears aren't going to let him go, I would actually take a shot on Jake Cutler as the next like okay might as well might as well move on to that one but again it's a whole a whole a other different discussion as we're just trying to yeah. you know one game at a time here i know this is he still hasn't played like i i say this and i and i still think he hasn't played horrendous enough for me yet like no, he hasn't right. he hasn't you're quite right. like yet like there's been really bad throws giants were bad uh the saints game was fine dallas was awful everything else in between was okay so that's what I'm saying. This team is – I feel like it's – I feel like we're having the same discussion again, but this team is still just an average quarterback play away from being great. You know, maybe even elite at, at some parts, and maybe, you know, they still need a couple of pieces on the outside, but you can figure those out later. I just feel like that's what Sam Bradford needs to be. If you're going to make a run in this, it has to start coming together. Uh, we, we all set this – uh, you know, arbitrary deadline of like the bye week, but maybe it's maybe you need more time here. No, you yeah. know, it's it's just win football games, win football, win football games. games. Yeah. yeah. And you know what happens? Look at that fourth quarter. Look at those four games that the Eagles close out the season with. And they're all winnable football games. So if you win four straight rolling into the playoffs, <laughs> playoffs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then look out. Uh, but we're a ways away. This is a tough spot for them. Bringing it back to the Carolina Panthers game here, John. This is a tough game, and you know I I, I know that uh, everybody's all eagled up, and they are they 
won a couple games here, but I just think we're sleeping on Carolina just a little bit, just a little bit, plus the revenge factor from last year. They got punched in the mouth. They got embarrassed yeah. on, on, on television last year. Was that a Thursday night game? It was a Monday night game. Was that a Monday night game? Yeah. Okay, so they got embarrassed on Monday night football. First two times they touched the football, they turned, they turned it over. They got sacked nine times. And again, it comes down to the respect factor. When you go up to Seattle and you beat them in their backyard, which is the toughest place to win in a National Football League, and everybody, all that, after it was all said and done, you know damn well where I'm going. Everybody was talking about how Seattle lost that game and not Carolina winning that game in the fourth quarter. That's disrespect. So they, yeah. they got, they're going to answer this weekend. Hopefully Sam Bradford doesn't turn the football over. The offensive line continues to move in the right direction. The defense steps up and answers the bell like they've been doing in weeks past. And we're going to have ourselves a good football game. But I don't have a good feeling about it, that's for sure. All right, let's go back to the phone lines one more time here. What's up, BGN? Uh, Stephen Lee calling from West Palm Beach, Florida. I uh, just wanted to call in to weigh in on this week's matchup against the Carolina Panthers. And uh, for some reason... I just really don't like this team, and I don't know if that stems from the 03 NFC Championship, Ron Rivera winning Coach of the Year over Chip in 13 or what, but something about them really rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I'm not suggesting that they're a bad team. I just don't think that they're that good. You know, they're coming into this game third in rushing yards, but 30th in pass yards per game. And I think I speak on behalf of everybody when I welcome the challenge of Jonathan Stewart, you know, against this defensive line. Again, as much credit as their defense is getting, you know, they're allowing 18.8 points per game, which isn't bad, but uh, our defense is allowing 18.3. And they've probably been on the field a lot longer. You know, their opponent's combined record is like 9-20. and 20. So I, I just look at them and see a team that isn't even close to what the record says they are. And I won't be surprised when we go down there and beat them 34-17. to 17. Just wanted to gauge your guys' thoughts on the game. And uh, as always, I appreciate you uh, taking my feedback into consideration. Listen, Thanks, to, listen to Stephen Lee with the proper with the proper. Uh, thank you for taking my thoughts into consideration at the end. Look, I mean, I understand your point. 18.8 versus 18.3. There's not much difference there, but he does. Stephen, you do have a point with, you know, with the amount of time that the defense has been on the field and everything else. And look, as, as much as we... Uh, we're just saying that the offense need to gel, according to Football Outsiders. The Eagles' offense ranks seventh in DVOA. It's third in defense in DVOA. That's a that's a fucking according to statistics. That's a that should be a juggernaut of a team. And of course, it doesn't matter because look at the win totals and look at the performance. But it's just far as an output goes. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I understand. Just like Sean was just mentioning here, that Carolina as you know this this juggernaut that it's despite its its you know record opponents and uh, everything else and I apologize I'm getting distracted because the cat's yelling in the background but um, the that yeah to, more to that point Sean I I, I do agree with Stephen where there is I I am not 100 percent sold on on this Carolina defense. Uh, yeah. because oh check that hold on I was reading the wrong thing good fights just checking me right now they're they're 20th in DVOA so that makes a lot more sense uh yeah. going from there uh but yeah I I still don't I'm still not buying the Panthers 100 percent either uh as far as just what they can provide for you and I know we're basically kind of saying the same thing you same oh god getting tongue-tied saying the same things here but yeah, I'm just I'm just not buying it either. The same with their offensive output and everything else. This is a very beatable team here, Sean. Well, definitely, definitely, and I think it goes both ways. And you know what's funny too, uh, when and you you now doing the show on Sunday mornings, 
um, in, the, in a nice studio and it's soundproof and you don't get bothered. And then you start podcasting. You go to the world of podcasting and my neighbor cuts the, he cuts his grass every day, <laughs> every day at one o'clock. I don't know why that guy cuts his lawn every day at one o'clock, but he does. Uh, but I digress. Anyways, uh, <laughs> look, here's what I tell you from both sides, both perspectives. If the Eagles go down to Carolina and beat them, the undefeated Carolina Panthers, whether you want to give them credit, think they're a good football team, doesn't matter. Their record tells you exactly what they are. If the Eagles go down there and beat them, look out. Look out. It's a whole different ballgame at that point in time. Now the Eagles are for real. Now everybody's going to come on board. You're going to get some positive mojo. I don't care how it gets done. They could win 13-10. to 10. I told you this after the, after the last game when we talked against the Giants. If they go down to Carolina and come away with a victory, I don't care how it gets done. It could be 6-3, to 3-0, 13-10, whatever. Bottom line is that's another victory chalked up in the win column. And you know what? Perfect timing. They roll into the bye week. Everything is going to be nice. you got Dallas on the other side. you got the Dolphins, both winnable football games. So uh, I don't care how it gets done from that side. And obviously on the other side of things with the Carolina Panthers, if the Panthers improve the 6-0 and and beat the Eagles after winning two straight and all that, the Panthers are for real. Panthers are yeah. a damn good football team. So this game is going to show us a lot about both squads. No matter how it gets done, whoever comes away with that victory, you're going to be start talking about those teams a little bit more. Uh, you know, And I know we don't want to go there and put them in the, in the world of the Green Bay Packers, uh, but still. You know, after San Diego just went to Green Bay and, and made a game out of that all the way down to the final gun of what they lose by a touchdown and Philip Rivers threw that interception fourth down. That's terrible. Uh, or not interception, but he threw, yeah, uh, incomplete no, pass. No, you know, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, you were right. Yeah, on the outside, which was just bad play calling all in all. It should have been a tie game, but still, it shows you the Green Bay Packers, you could run with them. You know, the good teams can run with them. So both sides, like I said, whoever comes away with this victory, we're going to be talking about that team in a little bit different light, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know what it's going to take for uh, some people to start maybe saying, like, hey, okay, the Eagles aren't so bad here. Uh, and look, I, I can't – nobody's going to say that they're like, yeah, they, you know, they're going to win the NFC East here. But I, I get the same feeling that you have with this Giants game. The Giants were really hot, just like you were saying, Sean. And now it's like – now I'm hearing, the, oh, the Giants were all smoke and mirrors. They weren't actually that good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you no, hear that stuff too. And you know, and you know where you, what you're going to get from the fan base. This fan sure. base is crazy right now. They, they've lost their damn mind. I said this: 65% of the fan base wants to see Chip Kelly lose and go to USC by the end of this year. And I don't yeah. give a damn if people say, "Oh, you're off on that number." Bullshit, bullshit. This fan base is weird right now. So if they're able to win this game against the Green or against the Carolina Panthers, here's what's going to happen. And like I said, whether Sam Bradford rips it up and they win 27-10, that's great too for momentum. But I'm looking at it as a low-scoring defensive battle. At that point in time, if the Eagles win this game, now we're talking about a top-five defense. And you could win some football games that you have no business winning as long as you don't turn the freaking football over. Right. You have no business winning if you have a top-five defense. They're going to keep you in most games. And then you factor in the special teams with Sproles, with his returns. You know, crazier things have happened. You know, teams have advanced. Te bad teams have looked good because of their defense, that's for sure. Yes. We don't have to go down the road of Trent Dilfer and the Ravens. Yeah. We all know about that. But uh, So I hear what you're saying. Um, it's teach their own on this one because this fan base is pretty crazy right now. They're all over the place. Yeah, you're right, though. If this can be, and look, it, we, it's surprising to all of us that this is a really good defense. Like, that hasn't happened here since the 90s. It hasn't. And I'm not saying, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying as far as, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. What am I talking about? The championship runs had, had really great defenses. Sure. Um, but the, 
I don't know. I just get that feeling like these this the defensive line is is special. There wasn't really anything that was special like this as a group, except for maybe you know the secondary of those two thousand teams with with Dawkins and sure Trout was good. Uh, you know the defensive lines were good, but not like this. Not and like they're dominating. They're yes. deep, John. You know they're deep. They got guys that could step up if. God forbid, God forbid, and I, I don't want to say this, but if a guy by the name of FC goes down with the initials of FC, if he gets yeah. to go down, you know, you got other guys that could step up. Uh, you know, Benny Logan, if he was to get injured, you got other guys that could step up. They're deep at the defensive line position. Linebackers, we're going to see what's happening there. I'm looking at the linebackers right now going, oh, my goodness, with Alonzo out, uh, we'll see what happens with Kendricks. It's about damn time he steps back, but obviously can't rush back from an injury. Yeah. Ryan's. Uh, you know, they're, they're all listed. Everybody's listed basically as questionable. So we'll see what happens. But I'm a little nervous about the, the depth at that position, the linebacker position. Brandon Graham's coming into his own right now. Secondary looks a little bit sturdier, a little bit steady right yep. now. You can you can count on them. So this defense is for real. You're so true about that. So right. Uh, and it's going to be – and it's weird because I thought that was going to take the longest to gel, and it's actually on the other side of the ball. So maybe it just and you're right I mean it's just as far as we've talked about with the offseason and and just everything else lining up with the scheme works it doesn't work I know we've there's a ton of people that thinks like you know whatever the Chip Kelly's been figured out but that is definitely not one uh, not true and everything that he said as far as execution and everything else is true I'm sure that you know they've gotten beat he's had some terrible play calling and I'm not going to say he hasn't but he hasn't been figured out by a mile. And no. if he, again, against the Giants with average quarterback play, that should have been 45 to 7. No doubt in my mind. Everybody was open. Everything was Jeez. coming. I mean, that was that was yeah. crazy. So, How about the Saints game? The yeah, Saints that game. same too. Same thing. Like that should have been a, another. That should have been another fifty burger. But again, it comes down to those those execution plays. I mean, De- Demarco Murray last week looked like Demarco Murray after yeah. not being told he was a scheme fit for four weeks. Like that. That to me, if you can, and and it showed up against the Giants game. That rolling thunder that we all expected to be there is finally starting to get there. Uh, but again, we'll have to wait and see what that does against Carolina. Go ahead, Sean. I want to squeeze this in two things real quick, if I can. One thought on on Demarco Murray. You know what's funny to me? It's like we all want to like just rip Chip. That's what I mean. This fan base, I'm telling you, it's it's majority at this point in time. They want to see Chip gone, and I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's the middle of the season. Damn it, they're in first place, and you still want to see this guy go to USC. I don't get it. All right. It, to me, it's not a real fan, but that's for a different discussion for another day. But Chip Kelly, why is everybody want to just shove these these signings back in his face? I, I get it because you want to be like I told you so, and that's what we do about sports. But the Demarco Murray signing, saying he doesn't fit the scheme, Chip signed Demarco and Ryan Matthews because he said to himself, "If one of these guys goes down, I'm in great shape." What will everybody say? If Ryan Matthews to go down with an injury, which, oh, by the way, he's been played by his, his throughout the course of his career. Yeah. What would they say if DeMarco Murray went down? You got another guy. You know, so stop trying to say that this guy doesn't fit the scheme. He's not this style running back. Don't it, that, that doesn't matter. Granted, if they were one in five and it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. But yeah, where maybe. we're at right now, he's he's okay. That, that, that DeMarco Murray signing was fine. And Ryan Matthews as well. The other thing I wanted to squeeze in real quick on the defense, just with total yards. Top five, all right? Top five defensive ranks, total yards will go there. In 2008, they finished third. This is according to Pro Football Reference. And in 2002, they finished fourth. 
And in 2001, they finished seventh. So in the last 15 years, they finished uh, in the top five two times. And obviously, we know the success that they had in 2008. They went to the NFC Championship game. And then um, in 2001, they went to uh, the NFC Championship game as well. Yep. So and when you get a top five defense, that keeps you in football games and it allows you to win games down the stretch. So please, God, back. Sam Bradford, remember how to play quarterback in the National Football League. And this time, team might actually... You know, start looking like we all expected to with the Super Bowl expectations and the playoff runs and, and everything else. But uh, we're going to wrap it up uh, for right now. Uh, you'll have to tune in for our NFL picks with myself and James Seltzer, 8 to 10 a.m. on 97.5 The Fanatic. But, Sean, what is your prediction for this one with a score, sir? Well, here's the deal. You don't want me picking the Eagles. Um, I, I am just an all-out for when it comes to picking the Eagles, except for the Giants game. Uh, I got that one right, but to open it up, had the had the Eagles over the Falcons, had the Eagles over the Cowboys, uh, had the Jets over the Eagles, the Skins, had the Eagles over the Skins. You, so you you don't want me there. I, I look at Carolina. I think they're a good football team, and they're ready for this test on Sunday night. A little revenge factor, um, a little look at us, flexing of the muscles. I like a low-scoring game. Give me 24-17. Carolina. 24-17 Carolina, and uh, I am also on the streak of if I pick against the Eagles, they win. Uh, so I'm going to continue that in wild fashion, even though I think the defense really does, in a dominating fashion, matches up so well against this Carolina offense with the turnovers and with everything, and I think they're going to need a couple of, uh, I think they're going to need one defensive touchdown to win this one, but it's not going to be enough. Carolina takes care of business, and it's going to be 20-14, to 14, and everybody goes home and cries, uh, you know, in their beer and and, their, and everything else. But, uh, so 35-10 Eagles, that's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully that's what's, what ends up uh, happening here. But we want to thank everybody for listening to BGN Radio, episode number 123. For Sean Brace and myself, John Barchard, thank you for listening right here on BGN Radio. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.